Good morning. Welcome to Secret to My Success. My name is Alan Bornstein, and I'm here with... Luis Alasea. Good morning, everyone. Happy to be here once again in this beautiful, beautiful morning. So we are here to talk to business owners about their journey, their venture, how they went from being employed by somebody to being self-employed. Luis brought some amazing guests in here that have played professional sports, football, baseball. Football, baseball, uh, basketball, and uh, golf. We've had some wonderful people, and this is about learning their secret to their success to help you grow your business. Thanks for being here with us this morning. We're so glad you could be here. If you have an interesting story, if you know somebody, that you think we should be talking to, we'd like to hear from you. You can reach me, Alan, 561-953-2007 at extension 101. Once again, my name is Alan. Secret to my success, 561-953-2007, extension 101. Please call us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Good morning. This is Alan, Secret to My Success, here with Mr. Louis Salasea. Louis. Good morning. Good morning. Say something fun, interesting, exciting. What do you got for me? Running with it like a chicken with a head cut off. I got a bunch of kids hurt at home, so it's been crazy. I know. I, I saw this. Your son broke his arm, huh? Oh. Yep. Nobody's investigating. Oh. You didn't do it, Louis, did you? Nope. Trying to get a Puerto Rican and a uh, Portuguese on an ice skating ring is not fun. It's not advisable. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fun. That was funny. We have Dawn with us. Dawn, what do you got for me, honey? Are you going to say, hey, say something funny? Give me something. I thought it was funny. I walked up today and Alan's yelling at me, but I didn't get a chance to yell back because uh, Mike came out and saved us. But The other Mike. The other Mike. Yes. Yeah, the other Mike, our Mike McGann. Louie, they, they they tell me, I'm sorry, but you're not going on at 11. I'm sorry, you're not going on the time that you're supposed to go on. You're going to have to wait 30 minutes. I'm like, that is so not happening. He comes running out the door and says, you're killing me. I'm so glad that didn't have to listen to you yelling at me, so I appreciate <laughs> oh, that. I huh? didn't get to yell back. I know. That was fun for me, too. <laughs> We have an amazing guest with us, a guy that was a former Red Sox left fielder that actually sp- spent a little time with Louie on the field. So, Louie, I'm going to let you do this introduction. Very, very happy and excited to have uh, Mr. Mike Greenwald with us. Him and I, obviously, I actually had a year with him. Uh, when I got to the Red Sox, he was a, he's already established great outfielder and great player. And, you know, he allowed me to have a great year with them and, and made me part of that the great team in 1980. 19- uh, 85, 86. I'm sorry, 96. I was going to say, Louis. 95, 95. I was pretty young. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, we're happy to have you, Mike. And uh, I know you've been uh, doing, uh, involved with businesses and things like that. So we kind of want to ask you some questions and hear about your, your experiences. 
So before we get into your business, Mike, we have to talk about you. Yeah. Mike, say hello. Hello, everybody. That's Mike Greenwell. So, Mike Greenwell, you played left field, and you played for my team, the Red Sox. Everybody knows I'm a huge Red Sox fan. You had some big shoes to fill. Ted Williams, Carly Stremski, Jim Rice, and then they tell you you're the next legacy left fielder. That had to be scary. Well, it was uh, exciting, obviously, uh, to follow those guys, but uh, definitely a certain amount of pressure that's put on you because you immediately become kind of that leader guy. You're the guy that everybody's going to – you know, the media is going to flock to to ask questions, and uh, and there's a lot expected of you. But uh, it was a role I enjoyed, and, and uh, you know, I, I was able to say I, I maybe wasn't those guys, but I had a real solid career. I could give you a little piece of history. In uh, 63 years, there were only four left fielders. So in that same 63 years, there were 12 presidents of the United States. So it's harder to be the left fielder than it is the president. For, for the Red Sox, that's for sure. So Right on, right on. <laughs> how many years were you in the minors? I was in the minors just two and a half years. I signed out of high school. Uh, just two and a half years later, I was already in the major leagues in 1985. Uh, and I graduated high school in 1982. So it, uh, it happened pretty quick for me. So did you know when you were in the minors that... They were grooming you for left field? Uh, no, I was actually a third baseman. And uh, ironically, I had made the all-star team in the Carolina League uh, as as a all-star third baseman at the beginning year and at the end of the year. Then when I went to, they put me on the 40-man roster and brought me to spring training and told me that I was now going to be a left fielder. And it was kind of fortunate for me because Rice got hurt of just a few days into spring training. And because they were kind of grooming me to play left field, I got to play a lot in spring training for almost three straight weeks i started almost every day and and i had a great spring training and that kind of opened the door for me by the end of that year they were already bringing me up to the major league so it, i i got an opportunity because of an injury but uh, i was able to perform when i was given that opportunity how cool would it have been actually in spring training play in a field that had the monster in left field oh i mean it was no doubt exciting but it was a learning curve and uh I'll tell you, you know, it's different than any other place in, in, in the major leagues, playing that big, tall, 37-and-a-half-foot wall. And uh, the, the, the angles, the way the ball comes off the wall. And after I had kind of taken over for Jim Rice and he had become the DH, I asked him one day, would he spend some time with me out there working on the wall? And he looked at me and said, no. <laughs> Why? And I thought, That was wow. the way the old players were. He's going, yeah, young buggers so, going to take yeah. my spot yeah, he waited about four or five days, and he come up to me. He said, "You know why I told you no?" And I said, "No." He said, "Because until you take every ball off of that wall that it could possibly, every angle it's going to hit, you're never going to be good out here." And he was right. The only way to learn it was just to absolutely have to do it. And I used to sit in the dugout and laugh and watch guys, you know, star players, Kirby Puckett's and 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 guys like that just absolutely look brutal when a ball would come off of that wall. So uh, I, I kind of took a lot of pride in learning how to play the ball off the wall, and I actually led the major leagues in throwing runners out from the outfield two years in a row simply for that reason. You could you could trick them into thinking the ball was you were going to catch the ball and, and play it properly off the wall and, and be able to throw them out at second base because they, uh, they, 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 they thought I was going to catch it, so they were kind of jogging, and they would take off. And uh, I would throw them out. I actually threw 22 runners out that year at second base. That's pretty amazing. So 
Louis, was he throwing to you at second base? I was playing the same team. Come on. That's what I'm asking. Were you catching the balls that Mike Greenwell was throwing from a left of, field? A lot of, to a lot of times, base? yes. But, you know, what Mike just said is very, very true. I had a chance to, not so much as a player, but when I coached for the Red Sox, getting the guys to get go out there and work early and really understand that, you know, they have a ladder coming down, they have the angles, and there's so many different angles. And you have to be in a certain spot. So when that ball bounces, you need to know where the where that ball is going to bounce, so you have a better idea where that ball is going to be and be able to catch the ball in the first bounce and throw the guy out. And so, like like Mike Greenwell said, I mean it's it's really comical sometimes when you see guys that didn't get a chance to play there or practice before games to really go out and angle. I remember Manny used to be there every day, and when I was coaching for the Red Sox, he would have a coach Demarco uh, Hale. He balls ton of balls just to learn that's very it's very true and one of the reasons Mike Green was such a great player because he, he put on he put in the extra work Mike you and Louie both played in a pretty crazy time in baseball there was a lot of steroids a lot of stuff going on and yeah. to think about it that you should have been the MVP and you got beaten out by Jose your whole career would have changed if you had actually won that MVP probably things would have been a little different for you I'm sure you would agree with that just a little yeah, well, I think worse than that is uh, Mark McGuire won the Rookie of the Year the year before, and I put up numbers that probably should have won the Rookie of the Year as well. So I could have actually possibly, without Mark McGuire hitting 49 home runs, I won't name the player, but another player hitting a bunch of home runs uh, as a rookie as well that finished in front of me. I think if those two guys don't, don't do that, I'd probably win the Rookie of the Year as well. And then the next year win the MVP, I think uh, that changes my whole legacy, doesn't it? So I've always said I think I'm the player that was affected the most by steroids because it kind of took two great years away from me, really. Well, it definitely would have changed your income. I have to imagine at that point when you're renegotiating salaries, being a rookie of the year and MVP would have probably changed what they were going to compensate you, correct? Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. And, you know, I've really never told anyone this story. I decided after seven years of getting beat by these guys that are just absolutely cheating because it was so rampant at that point. At the beginning with Mark and Jose and a few guys, it wasn't too crazy. But everyone started to realize why these guys were hitting those home runs and why guys were able to accomplish the things they were doing. And it got kind of crazy about five or six, seven years later. And I was going to take them. I, I, I didn't think I had a choice. And my wife actually, I never took a steroid ever during my career. My wife found them and threw them away because she's a registered nurse. And she was like, we don't know what this is going to do to you. You're already a star. Why do you need to do this? And, you know, unfortunately, by the time I could tell her why I thought I needed to do it, it was too late. She had already thrown them away. Wow. So I... Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it's crazy, but I, I was one of those players that just felt like I didn't have a choice. But I'm glad I didn't. I'm proud I didn't. I, my, my son actually, uh, uh, both of my sons had, had started to reach out to Jose. You know, Jose was starting to do these boxing matches, right? Right. Um, <laughs> and, and, he and he took a terrible dive, by the way, which ruined what we were about to do. My kids were reaching out to him and said, you win this fight, and my dad's going to fight you for the MVP. <laughs> that's a riot and we were gonna we were gonna try to do a pay-per-view and fight for the mvp trophy and there's a that's little awesome. backstory about that is uh at, in high school i was the florida golden gov lightweight champion huh yeah wow. we were serious i wanted to fight him for that trophy i thought it would be a hit and he didn't I want to do it of, 
he took a dive almost in that fight, and it would then it was going to be hard to get sponsorship to to do it. You know, people to put the money up to actually do it. But I think it was worth millions of dollars that fight. I really do. Let's switch gears a little bit, Mike. I understand that um, you know you have a couple of business up, but you started out with uh, NASCAR or something like that, right? You had like a fun park or car racing. I did. I, like I did. Yeah, I've actually raced two NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series races. I uh, I we own a general contracting company called Big League Builders. Uh, we've also owned amusement park for 28 years. I literally sold the amusement park six months before COVID hit. Wow. So uh, sometimes awesome. life brings you a little bit of luck, you know. So it was about great timing for us. But we're still general contractors. Both of my boys are general contractors. So we do a lot of custom homes, a lot of commercial buildings and businesses we build in, in, in uh, all over southwest Florida. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's no greater time to, than to be a contractor in the state of Florida because we are absolutely booming, absolutely booming. And one more exciting thing is my kids are now 33 and 30. They are taking the company over. And in 2020, 2023, I am going to now fish in the Major League Fishing Toyota Series as a pro. And I'm going to go fishing all over the United States, bass fishing, and do it on TV. How much fun can that be? Nice. That is incredible. Awesome. So are you going to actually fish for gators? Well, I, uh, I might, I might, but uh, you know, I, I, you got to be careful these days. You know, they, they don't want to harass the wildlife. <laughs> yep. So your nickname was the Gator years ago, and they were on TV yeah. talking about that you used to wrestle gators. Well, I'll tell you, uh, uh, baby gators. Rumor mate. has it. Well, yeah, baby gators, not the big ones. But rumor has it. Now, this would be a rumor, but supposedly there was an alligator that was put in Ellis Burke's locker in Winter Haven, Florida. <laughs> and he there was a, his travel bag was set over top of it and when he picked up that travel bag that gator spun around and hissed at him. But of course now the gator's mouth was taped. But you've never seen Ellis Burke run so fast in your life. <laughs> it was very very <laughs> impressive. And he was a quick runner. He was fast, but he was super fast that day. But that's how the gator thing came about is uh Everyone caught rumor of that, and everyone started talking about it. And I go to Fenway Park, you know, after spring training. That we, it was probably halfway through spring training, and I get to Winter Haven. I mean, Boston, excuse me. And I never heard Mike again. All I kept would hear would be Gator. <laughs> <laughs> and my my wife goes, "Why are they calling you that?" And I said, "Well, I'll have to tell you the story." So anyway, that's how that came about. Was uh, was. Uh, Playing a joke with Ellis Burks. So I know you're pleading the fifth, but what was the name of that gator? It was uh, Little Gator. Little Gator. Little Gator. Okay. Little Gator. Listen, um, yeah. Got to say this, Mike. You, we had a, a 1995 in that year. We had a great group of guys. You know, uh, a lot of characters: McFarland, yourself, Malk, and Seco. I mean, you had a yes. great team. Kevin Kennedy, you know, was great for the group. Every time we went to Texas. We, you know, everybody goes to Texas, they buy cowboy boots and Western, Western wear. So we, every yes. time when we went to uh, play against the Rangers, we made it the Mike Greenwell outfit day. You remember that, Mike? Yes. Mike Greenwell. Oh, absolutely. I remember that. That was a, uh, 
that was everyone dressed up in cowboy boots and jeans and uh, uh, a western shirt and a cowboy hat, and the whole team flew home that way. Uh, it was quite hilarious. Um, and the funny part was some of the guys went out and bought, like, $1,000 boots that they were probably never going to wear again. So, yeah, it was quite hilarious. Absolutely Guess who ended up having, uh, keeping those. Louis. What's that? Greenwood. Guess who ended up keeping yeah. the ones that guys didn't want to wear after that? What, did, did you did you take some of those? Greeny. Yeah. Oh, I got some of them. You can bet on it. <laughs> so, guys, really, yeah, so, really important. Did you win that series against Texas? Gosh, I don't remember. <laughs> don't remember. <laughs> you remember the boots and the hats, but you don't remember if you won the series. Yeah, you know, when you play every day, sometimes those games start to run together. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Louis, do you still have those boots? And cowboy hats. I, they don't fit me anymore. For some I, reason, my foot got bigger. How about the cowboy hats? You have to wear them in here one time. I got them. Yeah. There you, you go. You own horses. I'll wear my fedora. You wear your cowboy hat. Yeah. Right? You you wear the cowboy hat when you're riding a horse? If I'm on the show, I do. If you're on the show, <laughs> you do. Show. So, Mike, do you have any horses? Oh, we do. My son actually breeds horses now. Uh, we have a little breeding business. They're barrel racing horses. His wife uh, does some professional barrel racing. And, um, yeah, it's uh, always kind of been in our blood, I think. Is it true that Louis sold you a horse? Yeah. It's a good one, too. It was. And he actually, that horse, that horse actually ended up being a mounted horse uh, with the uh, Lee County Sheriff's Department later on in life. So uh, it was uh, a very, very, very good horse. Salute. That horse looks oh. like that horse in John Wayne movie, the, the one of the Duke Chestnut Colt with the big white blades and four white socks. Beautiful colt. So, Louie, were you guys playing together when you sold him the horse? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you a little side gig selling horses to teammates? No, 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 no. <laughs> so I sold one for his wife, which ended up being uh, an act, I mean, an accident, but by a mistake, which we're not going to go into it. But then I ended up giving him the colt after that. Okay. Guys, before we get into the business, I've got one last question about baseball. Mm-hmm. Kind of stepping back. So all these players are doing all these steroids around you. Did you guys feel any pressure from other players or from management? Whoever said, hey, look, you need to up the game. Yes, in a way. You felt the pressure. I don't think they actually come out directly and said it. But in negotiating, I was one of the few players that negotiated my own contract. I had an agent, but I believed in being in that room and discussing my own abilities and, and discussing the amount of money I felt like I deserved. Um, and I'll give you an example. I'm the first player in Major League history to sign a multi-year contract that did not have was not eligible to go to arbitration. And I was able to do that because I had a great rookie year. I had finished second in the MVP, but I was still 30 days short of being able to go to arbitration. So I was able to convince them that I wanted the same contract Jose Canseco got, which was a multi-year deal, and I was able to get it. But I was a big believer in negotiating and being involved in the contracts. I just, I, I, I just always felt like that was important to be involved in those meetings. You would get, they would talk a little bit about, well, if you just hit more home runs, you got a great batting average, you can really, really hit. You never strike out. You drive in runs, but if you just had a little more power. So I always felt the pressure that they were putting pressure on you to maybe consider steroids, absolutely. Louie, how about you? Actually, uh, that year, actually, in 95, I had asked by guys that were doing it, and, hey, how come you not? You don't want to try this? You know, you don't want to do that. I don't know. I always felt, am I going to hit 20 home runs? Probably not. But 
I always thought about life after sports, and I never, I thought that, you know, putting something in your body that's going to, I don't know what the side effects are, it's, it's not it's not good for you. So that's why I never, you know, believe in tempting, yes, it was tempting. But I never thought, I said, well, what's going to make a difference between seven or eight that I would hit into hit 15? I, I didn't think that was going to be that big of a deal, so never, never did it. I commend you both for playing the game the way it was meant to be, natural. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm sure he does, too. So, yeah, yeah, no question. So, I mean, you guys played with a bunch of guys or afterwards. I mean, your thoughts now, we'll, we'll get past this baseball, about these guys that were doing it, and they're either going into the hall or they're not going in the hall. What's your opinion on players that were kind of cheating a little bit to change their ability to play? I spoke about this in, in the past, and, and I'm a firm believer that those guys – you can't change history. They hit those home runs. They drove in those runs. So I'm good with putting them in the Hall of Fame. What I would have liked to have seen done, though, was many guys were either caught or they admitted that they were using steroids. And I'm a firm believer those guys should have lost their awards. If they won Cy Youngs, they should have been stripped of those awards. If they were winning batting titles, they should have been stripped of those awards. If they won MVP trophies... They should have gave it to me. I'll be glad to ride down the and pick it up. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I, I, that is how I feel. I do. I think they could have took those awards away. But if you hit four or 500 home runs and you had a great career, you still belong in the Hall of Fame. So uh, I'd like to see those guys go in the Hall of Fame. But I think some of the guys like me deserve a shot at the Hall of Fame as well simply because we didn't put up those kind of numbers, but we were the type of players that 10 years previous – might be in the Hall of Fame. So I think that uh, that's what I'd like to see done. It seemed that Major League Baseball recognized that all this was illegal, but in their eyes, they really decided not to do anything about it. It's too bad they weren't a little more active and fixed it for guys like you and made it right for the league. Agreed? Yeah, I, I agree. I have to say, you know, that, that era where the start of 72 home run season, whatever, that kind of brought the game back to life. So I'm I'm sure the, those days the owners were not really worrying about what's happening, even though they knew what was going on. But baseball was back in the rise. So now baseball is kind of going back down again because all the different rules and things that are happening, all the amount of strikeouts and all that other stuff. So now they're like, it's okay if you do it because they want baseball back again. They want people to watch games again. Baseball is boring as it is right now. Well, I don't know if you heard this, but they're making the bases bigger this year. There's yes. <laughs> it's because they want to see more stolen bases, and they're making yeah, it but so that running they get bigger guys. They have BH in both leagues. That's uh, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. But anyways, I mean, right, different game now. Definitely a different game. Look, I, I, I'm I'm gonna agree with that 100. percent I do think it helped the game. I really do. Uh, that's why I say, I, in a way, it was a it was a great era. I mean, it was there was so much excitement in the game. And I'm glad I played during that time. And I don't begrudge the guys that did it. I understand why they did it. And, and they should be awarded, I think, for it uh, at this point because you can't change history. But I still want my MVP trophy. And I would give it to you if I could. But I agree. <laughs> I, I agree to a point. But, and, yeah, it put more fans in the seats. The owners made more money. It made baseball exciting again. But when you're in a NASCAR race... Isn't it true that all those cars have the same specs so that everybody's competing at the same level? That's true, except for everybody's looking for an edge. 
even in NASCAR. You can, and there's a reason why guys get, you know, penalties because they're they're pushing, you know, pushing the edge a little bit and uh, and get caught. So I'm a huge NASCAR fan, personal friends with with a lot of those guys, and Ross Chastain, the guy that's been tearing it up here recently with the last three races, finishing third and two second place finishes in in the Cup Series, is a is a personal friend of mine. His dad and and, and myself went to high school together. So huge, huge, huge NASCAR fan, but. They're, 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 they're trying to find a way to get an advantage, too, all, all teams do. I get it, but it, it, it can't be that blatant, like these guys that were doing steroids. But we'll, we'll move. So I, I've met Jack Roush, and I checked out his facility, and it's amazing. It's not just a big motor and a car. I mean, what they do is absolutely unbelievable. With computers yeah. and science, they recalculate a whole race on a simulated car on this machine. It's crazy stuff. But like I said, the, the yeah. premise is that you should all be fair and competing somewhat equally. Absolutely. No, I agree. I, I, I don't think steroids should be brought back in the game. Um, I'm sure there might be still some of them, some in the game. Um, so I, I, I'm not an advocate of that, but I would, I, I, I would I, like, I think if they want to get the game stronger and better, and, and a pit, no pitcher's ever going to agree with this, but tighten the strike zone back up. Right. Tighten the strike zone up. Um, and, and, and I've never been a fan of this new philosophy of baseball is, to me, I used to call it lift and, lift and separate. Basically, I'm just trying to knock the ball over the fence. I could have hit a lot more home runs if I had that mentality, but I wanted to hit 300. I wanted to drive in runs. I wanted to move guys over. I wanted to win baseball games. A lot of the, the games have become a little bit too individual for me, uh, and I'm definitely not a fan of, of, of the amount of strikeouts. I had over 600 and something at bats one year, and I think I struck out like 30-something times. That's the way it should be to be a great hitter. But God, it's accepted. God strikes out 100 times. It's like no big deal. I watched the this team the other day, Florida State playing the other day, uh, four game series, three games series, 54 strikeouts in three games. Yes, terrible. That's crazy. No, That's it's, crazy. Exactly, yeah, it's absolutely terrible. Yes. Uh, on a final note about that, being a Red Sox fan, I wouldn't be overly upset if A-Rod never makes the Hall of Fame. Just figure I'd leave it out there, okay? Yeah. <laughs> well... Uh, I might go along with you on that because uh, I was a little jealous of him at times. I remember him getting into a fight with Trot Nixon, and he was making fun of Trot that, hey, look, I don't have a wife and kids. I could spend more time. So that's what really makes me better. I don't know if you remember that. It was like a public thing that between him and Trot. Well, yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how – I'm, I'm shocked this is that a lot of people don't remember this, but me and Mo Vaughn actually got into a fight. I do remember that. I was talking to Louie about it beforehand, and he told me not yeah. to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Me and Mo became like lifelong friends. You know, it was just one of those things. I was a veteran. He was a, 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 a couple-week rookie in the major leagues, and uh, I kind of got on him for taking too many swings. You know, we're only, we're only allowed 45 minutes of hitting when we're on the road, and I want every swing I can get. And usually – Every group kind of has a leader, and that leader kind of usually kind of tells, uh, hey, ten bunch, two, you know, two bunch, ten swings, hey, seven swings each, hey, eight swings each, and then it, you try to time it where you're done in 15 minutes so everybody gets equal time. And he had taken a couple extra swings, and I got on him about it, and he come out and he stuck his finger in my face and shoved the side of my face. So uh, I kind of retaliated, and, uh, 
and he couldn't play for a few days because his eye was swelled up. So it's just part of it, and we became good friends over it. He understood that that was disrespecting me, and and I had no choice. Uh, I was either going to cower down or, or stand my ground, and I decided to stand my ground. And um, so, but like I said, when he signed his deal with California Angels, that was the second person he called. So I thought that was pretty special. That's awesome. I do remember that, and like I said, Louis made me promise I wouldn't bring it up. <laughs> no, it's okay. And that's one of the things in baseball is being lost. You know, the veterans were always cool, the young young guys and lead the way. And nowadays, that that's that part right there has been lost. I remember yeah. uh, older players, you know, taking care of me when I was a rookie and, and and really showing them the ropes. And hey, look, come over here, do this. You can't. It's it's, it's, it's not like that anymore. It's uh, everybody's you know, friend for themselves, really. Hey yeah. guys, one last yeah. baseball question. I'm sorry, Mike, you finished okay. that. I apologize. You said that already. I know. I keep going. <laughs> it's okay. Guys, what's your favorite baseball yeah, the, face, favorite baseball movies? Oh man, um, The Sandlot. Okay, you're killing me, Smalls. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I just think that's uh, that was me as a kid. You know, I just think that 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 was us. We were we were outside. We didn't we went we didn't have these computers and phones, and we were just outside playing in the Sandlot. I loved it. Loved it. Louie, what do you got? Favorite baseball movie? I love Sandlot, and I also love The Natural. The Natural. I good. played at that stadium my, my rookie year in AAA. I played at that stadium. And I remember uh, one year I wasn't hitting in AAA in Louisville, and I got one of them bats, and I kind of got a one of the heat melt guns, and I drew a lightning bolt on the bat. <laughs> I made a lightning bolt on the bat, and then I started hitting, and I'm like, wow, the wonder, the wonder bolt. It works. <laughs> it worked. That's funny. I, I did like 61, though, too. That was a good movie. Even being a Red Sox fan, it was a good movie about the Yankees. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of great baseball movies. Absolutely. That, you could name many of them, but um, Sandlot, I think, was the greatest. Love I, it. I got to tell you, though, I tell Yankee fans, if you haven't watched 61, you're you're really not a Yankee fan, so find another yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I usually tell people, you know, we actually have a restaurant and, and uh, farming business as well, and we got a lot of little little businesses, but I actually uh, tease the Yankee people that come in if they have a hat on or a tattoo. I tell them to get out. Oh, I would that, too. Does that mean I got to leave the room here? Forget what it. The hell? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to edit this show. You know that, right? No, you're not. <laughs> I always say, go Yankees, just go. And well, I don't, Mike, and I don't hate the Yankees. I hate Yankee fans. No more baseball. No more baseball. Okay, so Mike, let's talk about your business. First of all, your transition from Major League Baseball to the next step. How hard was that? Not really hard for me. I immediately, I love to work. I, I, I guess I'm kind of a workaholic. And I had already built the amusement park in Cape Coral, Florida while I was playing. So kind of had that business to fall back on right away. And then started racing cars. Uh, started racing late models all over the state of Florida. Basically, Orlando and New Smyrna and, and uh, Ponta Gorda and Hialeah and all these places. And, and that was a way, I think, of keeping that adrenaline flowing, you know. I think the transition was pretty easy for me. Maybe not so easy for a lot of guys, but I would say easy for me. Were you the driver on those cars? Yes, I drove them. I actually raced in two NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series races against all those guys. I had won in 2000. I had won the late model national championship we it, they raced nine straight nights and i won five of the nine nights later on in life in 2006 i decided to do a couple of nascar races and um to fulfill that dream and had a ball I, and I, i've always been a nascar fan what made you stop that probably your wife 
Uh, actually, my kids. It was a, a time where, you know, I, my kids were now starting high school, and, and they were all, both great athletes, and it was time to stay home and uh, raise my kids, you know. So we, uh, we, we just kind of had to cut back the fun. So after NASCAR, and you said you just sold the, uh, the amusement park. Yes. Tell me about your other businesses. You seem to have a bunch of stuff going on. It's got to be really yeah, cool well, working with your kids. We have a farm. We have a U-Pick farm and a restaurant there. So it's a little country place. really has taken off. Uh, it's near a new city, in, which is called Babcock Ranch here in southwest Florida. Uh, they're building a whole new city. So the business has done well. And we've also our general contractors. So we do uh, a little bit of everything. We build commercial buildings. We do custom homes. We do, uh, like I said, a little bit of everything. I, I stay busy, very busy, and my boys are now 33 and 30, and I am going to uh, start backing away from the company a little bit. I want to go fishing, and I'm going to do it on, on a pro series, the Toyota Series with Major League Fishing. I'm going to do it next year as a pro. I've, I'm, I'm getting my boat built right now, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about next year. How many people rely on you that work for you within these organizations right now that you have to worry about? Oh, I would say... At at the high point, over a hundred. I would say now maybe since the amusement park's gone, fifty. But yeah, over a hundred. So I'm pretty proud of the fact that we had some people that worked for us at the amusement park since they were 16 years old and had worked for us for 28 years. So my wife's a very good boss. <laughs> of you or those employees, or both? Uh, of me. Oh, okay. Uh, good. Of both. Yeah, both. Both. Yes, both. <laughs> Mike, what type of restaurant? What kind of food? Really country food. We do steaks, or big steaks, and country breakfasts like, you know, biscuits and gravy and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. A lot of country meals, you know, the, the mustard greens and collard greens and black-eyed peas. and uh, yeah, Fried okra. Kind of that old, oh, yeah, fried okra. We grow the okra and we fry it there. So a little, bit of, little bit of that. You want to go for a road trip, Louie? Uh, yeah, I think Louie needs to come visit me. Louie, yeah. we're going to go take a road trip? What do you think? I, spend, I spend some time over there sometimes on some of the tournaments. I'm going to come visit you. I, by the matter of fact, I bought two cows in, uh, in Fort Myers, and I actually have them on my freezer, all process. I went to uh, LaBelle, the processing plant over there, and, and, and did them. Uh-huh. I'm literally in LaBelle right now. Wow. Oh, really? Yes, absolutely. I'm literally in LaBelle right now, so that's funny. Mike. Bye. It seems that every business you've seemed to have touched and everything you've done has been successful, from baseball to the amusement park to your restaurant to your construction. What is the secret to your success? A drive. I, I have tremendous drive to be successful. Um, I, I mean, that's just the bottom line. I work seven days a week. I can't help it. I can't sit at home. NASCAR is about the only reason I will stay home and watch something. I just believe you have to have that drive if you want to be successful. And, and the more effort you put in, the better success you're going to have. And do you think you got that after baseball or part of your mentality when you were being a player that you just always I, had to keep going? I was born with that. A hundred, yeah. No, I think it's 100%. It was in me when I was a little kid. I just always wanted to be successful. And, you know, people ask me, when did I realize I was going to be a Major League Baseball player? And I say eight. <laughs> and they laughed, and uh-huh. I said, "I'm not. No, I'm not kidding. I really believed I was going to be a major league baseball player since I was eight years old, and um, I wasn't scared to fail. I, I guess is the key. I was willing to take. I was willing to do whatever I had to succeed, so I wasn't. I wasn't scared to fail. 
Mike, your buddy Mo Vaughn was on our show, and he was really a great interview. And one of the things he said is when he transitioned from baseball into business, he would sit in a meeting and keep his mouth shut. He didn't want anybody to know he was just a dumb baseball player. And he wanted to learn and listen, and he'd show up every meeting early, dressed appropriately. And it took him a while, but he kept his mouth shut at all these meetings. He wanted to learn. Your transition, I mean, you've done a lot of things. Yeah, you know, I... I said I'd park at 28 years old, and it was mostly to give something back to my town. I felt like we were a town that, you know, we didn't have a batting cage or a place to go and, and go-karts to rides. I wanted to get back to my hometown, and that's kind of why I did it. I don't know. I, I, I think the key to success is just believing in yourself, doing whatever it takes to be successful. But uh, Mo's right. Uh, I learned so much from listening and so much from being around people that understand business more than I do and uh, not afraid to learn. Now that you're successful, what advice would you give to anybody that's thinking about starting their own business, transitioning from being employed to being self-employed? What would you tell them? Well, have a plan. I think the biggest thing is to have a plan. If you're going to start a business, you're obviously going to put your neck out there and, and be on the hook for owing people. And I think you have to have a plan. I think that's the biggest thing. And just like our company, when we started our general contracting company, our goal was to, you know, neither one of my boys had ever built, really been around building very much, even though we did a lot of it, but never commercial stuff and bigger stuff. And we kind of started slow. We wanted to do that on purpose. So these guys had a chance to, to grow in the business. We started doing just small houses and then we started doing bigger houses and then we started doing bigger buildings. And then we started doing infrastructure work and we started really learning every aspect of, of being a general contractor. That's why I say they're there now. So it's time for me to back away and let these boys go make me some money. <laughs> so they're going to have to, they're going to have to buy you out. They're right? like, yeah, no, they're laughing about that, too, because uh, I, I pretty much just work for them at this point anyway. So they, they, they're doing very well. They got it. What is the name of your restaurant? The Cracker Shack. The Cracker Shack. Yeah. That's pretty. And you know why? Is if, you're, if you know about horses and cowboys and you know a little bit about Florida, they used to drive the cattle across the Clusatchee River, and they could hear them coming because of the crack of the whip. Louis, did Cracker you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't either. I just gave you guys a lesson. How about that? <laughs> That's awesome. No, I knew about the Florida Cracker. Cracker Little Whip. I've heard of the Florida Cracker, yeah. So, Mike. He knows. So, Mike, what's the address of this restaurant? 18672 State Road 31, Alva, Florida. You take reservations? <laughs> you don't need no reservation. Just stand in line. We'll get to you. Okay, is Cowboy Hat mandated? <laughs> Do you have to wear a cowboy hat? And you get you get seated faster. Oh, I dude, can tell you that. That is so good to know, Louie, You got a cowboy <laughs> hat I can use? I don't know if it's going to fit your big head. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know, Louie. I think uh, you and I are probably about the same size now. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, Mike, one last question. Uh oh. And I've talked to Louie a bunch about this, and I've known Louie a long time. He's a good guy, and he's come to me with that people are trying to suggest to him and are trying to get him involved in stuff. And I've always said, look, your name and reputation is too important. How many times have you had people come up to you, being a baseball player, try to get you involved in stuff because they thought it would be a, an advantage to them having you with them? Oh, it does happen. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think my dad told me when I was a very young man that my what I was doing in life was going to open a lot of doors for me. 
it's what I do inside the doors that matter. And that's the way I've always looked at it. Uh, you definitely, if you're obviously a major league baseball player, you're going to have an advantage. If people are going to take your calls, it's what you do inside the doors that matter. Okay. Mike, do you have any stories that you could share with us about Louie that we don't know about that we'd like to air publicly? Anything? Nothing. <laughs> no, 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 not you, Louie. Mike, what do you got he, for me? But he, he's just a super guy. That's all. I mean, everybody loved him. He's just a great teammate, one of the guys that everybody loved to be around. And uh, uh, unlike you, um, um, he was just a great guy. Unlike yeah, you me. Know, I think <laughs> I, I, my thought was when we have people, when we bring people in that know you, Forever. Well, I'm going to start asking him that question. Just give us some dirt on Alan. Give we, us something from way back. We, give us some good dirt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, I think, yeah. Uh, I like it. Well, Mike, that right in my notebook here, so I remember. Mike, I need you to know that you'll be the last interview I do. <laughs> <laughs> Louie and I have officially well, closed you know, the show. <laughs> I, I, got, I had to have a little fun with you, you know. I mean, That is awesome. Mike, it has been absolutely our pleasure talking to you. Is there any closing comments, anything you'd like to say, any business you want to share, anything that we could do to help promote you? Hey, if you're over in Fort Myers and you're looking to build something, look up Big League Builders, man. We'd love to work with you. And the smallest project versus the largest, what are you doing? It, we Well, the smallest is we do a small spec home, uh, which uh, is basically a small 1,600-square-foot home. Um, our largest project is we're building a 15,000 square foot, eight unit house business right now. The small end and the big end right now. So your geographic area for your construction, is it Southwest Florida or do you go anywhere in, in the state? Oh, Southwest Florida, basic. Do business in Lee County, Charlotte County, Henry County, Glades County, Collier County. So uh, all over Southwest Florida, basically. Excellent. Louis, is there anything else you'd like to tell Mike before we uh, wrap this up? No, I'm just happy that we were able to get him on the show and, and hear his stories. And Mike was always great, man. Mike was one of those gay guys that come into play every day and, uh, you know, made everybody uh, follow him. You know, uh, he was a leader, a great leader. And uh, no no questions why he's so successful in business because that's the way he approached the game. And um, he's continuing to do the same thing off the field. So, so happy for you and congratulations. Keep, keep it going, brother. Yeah, let's do it again sometime, guys. So, Mike, I need you to know, it was a friend of mine that was in your restaurant that was talking with you, and you were kind enough to give him the cell number. You had no idea who he was or what he was about. But he did say the food there was excellent. So, yes, well, that's good. your online, oh, wow. online promotion. Yeah. But I want to thank you very much for having trust in him and giving him your cell number so that we could finally find you. Yeah, sounds good. You guys, have a great day. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks, yes, sir. All right, thank you all. Nice seeing you. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. 
Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Hi, this is Joe from Empower IT Group. We are IT consultants focusing on the small, medium-sized business market in South Florida. If you think about your IT support and you're not smiling, give us a call. We make IT stress-free. Sending an email to info at empowerITgroup.com or give us a call anytime at 305-260-6022. And check us out on the web, www.empowerITgroup.com. That's ears and echo. M is in Mary, the word power, itgroup.com. I'm Martha Putnam, the Executive Director for Friends of Foster Children. Our mission is fostering happy childhoods, and we need friends like you to help us live out our mission on a daily basis. Right now, there's two ways that we need the community to step up and help. The first way is with filling an Easter basket. It can be small toys, candy, and bringing it to our office at 4100 Okeechobee Boulevard in West Palm Beach. The second way is if you're unable to fill a basket, go to our website at www.friendsoffosterchildren.com. Click the bright pink donate button and we'll make sure that your funds fill Easter baskets for foster children this spring. 